Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. So, uh, with, uh, with that being said, come on, Willie, come on up here as I introduce this man of God. Willie, I, I can't say this enough, Willie is an absolute gift to the body of Christ. He's the real deal. He, he, lives, um, he lives what he speaks on. And, uh, and so I just want to say that because, go ahead, I'll adjust whatever you need, all right? The Bible talks about how it's the, the, the necessary soil of the heart to receive the word of God is humility. Uh, and one of the things I love about Willie is that he really makes it easy to have a heart that is able to receive in, in humility because he is so humble. He really helps to bring down walls. So I, I'm, I'm just expecting for what's going to happen because of just his, his posture and, and lifestyle before the Lord. I know that when he speaks, he hears from God. And ultimately, I know that he comes with a humble and sincere heart. And it helps me to receive. So I know we're going to, as Pat says, we're going to hear from heaven today. Amen? All right. All right. Get this. Yes, it shall be brought. All right. Wow, this is amazing. God set this whole thing up. Who would have thunk it? And the way I want to start off, the way he um, put it on my heart to start off was I want to really highlight God's attention to detail. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. Okay, cool. Thanks. Nice. Cool. All right. All right, once everybody's there, someone say amen. Amen. All right. So it starts like this. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members are of one body, they are many, but one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, we have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a, of the body, it is, there, is it therefore now no longer part of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Of course it is. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, then where would the body be? See, today we saw a picture of what I'm talking about. We saw the body be the body. We saw the worship team lead us in worship, and then we responded to the spirit. We began to groan, and then our pastor explained what was happening, so we had context for it. The body was the body this morning. 
And part of my life's mission, if I had a word for my life, it would be that everybody has purpose. Everybody has a place in the body. Every single person here, you're here because God wants you here. You exist because God says you should exist. No matter what anyone's ever told you, no matter the circumstances surrounding your birth, because God says you exist, that's why you do. And we saw that today. And that's not the message. That's just the beginning. <laughs> but um, I find it interesting in that verse that, here's my foot. Um, with, in this verse, in the context here, it talks about the sense of smelling. And you ever read a verse and you realize, like, God put it in there just for you? Well, this is one of those verses for me because I often pray, God, I want to see in the spirit. God, I want, to, I want to be able to see what other people have seen. But for me, what he's done for me is he's allowed me to smell things. And so today I'm going to talk to you about a fragrance, the fragrance of the Father. That's the word that we're going to talk about today, the fragrance of the Father. Here we go. So to start off with, the word fragrance means a pleasant, sweet smell. And again, it was by no mistake the Lord had uh, us for the last couple of weeks talk about the priesthood and our role as priests before God. Because every single person in the body of Christ is called to minister before God. Every single person. And the way we minister might look a little different, but it's beautiful and it's received to the Lord like incense. So not only does he have a smell, because we're going to talk about the fragrance of the Father, but we have a smell before God. When we come with worship, when we come with humility and an honest heart, it goes up before the Lord like incense. It delights his heart. So we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to, if you guys know me, you know I love the word. So we're going to go through the word quite a bit today. But just bear with me and hang on because I really feel like it's going to paint a picture. Uh, if you guys know me, I often say this, but when you're building a house, you can't start with a roof. You have to start with the foundation. Because if you do that, there's nothing to put the roof on, right? So... That's what we're going to do today. And again, we've been talking about these last few weeks, the priesthood of the believer. And so we saw that there was uh, natural things we can see from the physical priesthood that would teach us about our spiritual place as priests. So we're going to actually start in Exodus chapter 30. And then verse 22 in Exodus 30, we're going to start there. So before we jump into that part of it, though, I really want to just think for a moment about the power of smell. How a certain smell can take us a good direction or a bad direction. If I smell chocolate chip cookies, I'm happy, right? It's a very sweet smell. It, it brings me good memories. And then if I smell sulfur, I'm back in seventh grade science class, not happy. <laughs> but the reason a smell has such an ability to bring us back to a memory or elicit such emotion is because smell, the way the Lord designed it, is linked to the part of the brain that deals with memory, the hippocampus. Not that you have to know that part, but I figured to put it in there in case you wanted to know because it's important. The reason God set it up that way. So in the same way he designed us, with specific intention, everything God did was with purpose, including our sense of smell. And so we're going to be talking today again about the fragrance of the Father. And 
Hold on. We're going to start with Exodus 30, starting in verse 22. All right. It says, Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also, take for yourself quality spices. Notice he said quality spices. God doesn't skimp. When it's for him, he deserves the best. He says, take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil. And you shall make these for a holy anointing oil, an ointment compounded according to the art of a perfumer. It shall be holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the table and all of its utensils, the lampstand and its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, with all of its utensils. Notice everything gets covered in this oil. There's not a thing left out when it comes to the things that are being ministered before the Lord with. Everything gets covered in this sweet-smelling oil. And of its base you shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. So the word holy means to be set apart. And so when something was deemed holy, it was for the Lord. It was set apart for the Lord. And he says that, he said, you shall consecrate them, which is another way to really drive home the point that these things that smelled like this were holy and set apart for the Lord. So it's amazing because it doesn't just stop at the utensils. It continues and it says, and you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they might minister to me as priests, which is what we've been talking about. And you shall speak to the children of Israel saying, this shall be a holy anointing oil throughout the entire, or throughout all your generations. See, this smell marked these men. It marked them that when you would smell this, you would know these men had been in the presence of the Lord. Because this smell was so unique, it was so pure, it was so different than anything they could have smelled because of the combination the Lord designed it for. That when you smelled it, you knew these men were before the Lord. And so we're going to see how that relates to us. Right now, it's, we're, again, we're just building the foundation. So this smell marked them, and they left dripping in the oil. And if we go on and continue down later in these, these verses, but for the sake of time, I won't do that, but it goes on to explain the incense. And the incense was to be a place on the altar of testimony, the tent of meeting, all these places where they would meet with God was to be dripping with oil and incense. It was to be literally, you could not escape the smell. You would leave marked by this smell. And we're going to see, again, being that, as Mark always says, Mark D, that God uses natural things to teach us about supernatural things. So this is a natural picture of what God wants to do in our lives. That we would leave his presence dripping in this fragrant oil and that we would be filled with this incense everywhere we go. And we're going to talk more about that, which is beautiful. And, but there's a distinction to be made because remember, this is holy. This is sacred. This is special. In verse 32, it says, you shall not, it shall not be poured on man's flesh, nor shall make, you shall make any other like it according to the composition. It shall be holy. It shall be holy to you. Whatever compounds anything like it, or whoever compounds anything like it, whoever puts any of it on an outsider, shall be cut off from his people. 
So you see, this oil, this fragrance, could not be manufactured outside of the presence of God. It could not be faked. It could not be uh, counterfeited. It had to be used for the specific purpose of going before the Lord. And if you did try to do it and try to use it for yourself, for your own benefit, it would actually cut you off from the people. So not only would you lose the access to the life you had in, with this fragrance, but you'd be cut off from real community. You'd be cut off from real fellowship. Because we kind of, Courtney touched on it today. She said, in the prayer sets, God brings a common theme throughout the week. And then when we come on Sunday, it's like the icing on the cake. Because we are called as a body to minister before the Lord. So he's, he's uniting us as a body. So this fragrance couldn't be used outside of this moment, couldn't be used outside of this, his presence. So the reality is we can't fake being with the Lord. We can try it. We can try to, we can say the things other people say. We can try to bring our own counterfeit to it. But the reality is the Lord knows we'll be cut off being with him because that's what he wants. He wants us to be with him and we'll be cut off from each other because we won't be able to be honest and real because we'll be hiding because we know we haven't been where we should have been. And so today, you're going to see something special. The Lord is going to, he gave me something very specific. Because we're called to be priests, because we're called to worship, because we're called to be before him. There are sometimes some things that hinder us from going before the Lord. And there were three things specifically that he, he called me to, to address so that we can deal with it, so that we can go freely before the Lord unhindered. And they were guilt, shame, and condemnation. Today he wants to crush guilt shame and condemnation in his body, in this place, for us as priests, so we can go before him unhindered, fully open and real before our Father. And there's a reason why I have this message to bring. So we're going to talk about that. Oh, that's another thing that's really important. Thank you, Lord, for making me write this down. Notice it was for Aaron and his sons. It was for the generations. So we are priests before the Lord, and we are to pour into the next generation. And there's, so there's something, of course, we need to go before the Lord privately. We need to go before the Lord, have our own prayer time, and seek his face with everything we have privately. But there's something also special when we come together corporately. It releases a special fragrance that otherwise is not released. Because if you guys ever go to someone else's house that you haven't been to before, you recognize real quick, everybody smells different. Everybody has a different smell. You don't smell your own smell because it's your smell. Your nose blind to it, right? <laughs> but when we come together, it releases an incense, a fragrance before the Lord that he is worthy of. Because remember in the Bible it says that he's worthy of every tribe, every nation, and every tongue to give him praise and glory. That he is worthy of it. And we... We've been given life to show that. So just know that, like, every part, has a every part has a place in the body. Every single one of us brings something special to the table. So, again, today we're going to crush guilt, shame, and condemnation. And I'm excited about that. Yes. All right. Okay. So before I can tell you how... I must first tell you why we can. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. It's okay. I'll just, yeah, it's good. Oh, it, it's all right. I'll just keep kicking it because I get excited. The anointing, it lifts the legs. 
all good. Thank you guys for your patience. All right. So Jesus in this section is addressing the Pharisees that they had made these claims that he eats with tax collectors and sinners. He eats with those that are not worthy to be, for him to be spending his time with. And so he's addressing the reality of the Father's heart towards them. Because guilt, shame, and condemnation gets crushed when we realize the Father's heart. So we're going to look at the Father's heart, and then we're going to apply it to our own lives. So starting in verse 11, it says, To illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money on wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land. He's not having a good day. He runs out of money, his friends leave him, and now there's a great famine. But it's actually the mercy of the Lord. We're going to see. It's because the father's heart is for his children. And it says, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally, everybody say this with me, came to his senses. That's right. He came to his senses. And he said, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am now no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to the father. And while he was still a far way off, everybody say, a far way off, his father saw him and started screaming at him. Is that what it says? No. His father saw him coming and was filled with love and compassion. And he ran to his son. He bridged the gap. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. You know, he practiced that the entire way home. He said, okay, Father, I'm not worthy because he knew he, knew he didn't deserve to be brought back into the house. Because he took his inheritance, he took his life, he took what he had been given, and he wasted it. And so, but here's the reality. His father didn't yell at him, but he yelled for him. In the next set of verses we see, but his father, when hearing that, says to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe into your, in the house out and put it on him. Now, it was at that, this moment in the story where five weeks ago, God had me covering a prayer set on a Friday morning. I was with Pastor Crystal, and we were covering the prayer set. And it was in this moment that we were singing about the Father bringing a ring and a robe. And at that moment, I could literally smell the fragrance of the Father. It was such a sweet, beautiful, pure smell that I was in this story. I could see it. I was there. And it was amazing to me because in the moment, 
I recognize something. The son didn't, it doesn't say he stopped off to shower. It doesn't say he went to somebody's house and got cleaned up first. It says that he came right from the pig pen to walk in towards his father. We don't know how far it was, but if the father had run toward him while he was a great way off, it seemed to be some kind of journey. So not only did he smell like the pig pen, but he had sweat and body odor and all those different things. He didn't smell good. But in a moment, the father comes, gets the, the servant to get a robe, and he comes running with the robe to cover the son. And in a moment, the stench of sin and the regret, the guilt, the shame is swallowed up by the fragrance of the father. And today, the Lord wants us to know how we can have our sin, our shame, our guilt swallowed up by the same fragrance. Because he wants to do it for everybody here so that we can come unhindered into his presence. Unhindered into his presence and worship him as priests and as kings, but also as sons and daughters. Because it doesn't stop at the road. He gets something else too. He gets a ring and some sandals. So, again, we learned this morning, we've seen it in action, that everything God does is with purpose. Every single decision he makes, every story he tells, every word he speaks is with purpose. Remember, Jesus said, I don't do anything I haven't seen the Father do, and I don't say anything I haven't heard the Father saying. Right? So everything he shares in this story is with purpose. He says, not only did he say get him a robe to cover him, it says get him a ring and sandals for his feet. Now, that's important because it means something. It doesn't just mean that he wants his son to look like bling bling and he's all nice. No, it means that he's part of the family. The ring was a symbol of his being part of the family again. See, he's, he came to the father in repentance saying, Father, I sinned against you and against heaven. And I'm not worthy in myself to be called your son anymore. And the father wanted him to know in this moment, because he confessed before him, God, he was going to cover him and then remind him of his sonship. And that's a reality that we're going to see today the more we dig into what God wants to do. Because remember I said, what the Lord showed me is he wants to crush the guilt, the shame, and the condemnation. He wants to crush it. He wants us to deal with it so that way we can be free to minister to him as priests, as kings, and as children. And so he gives him the ring to signify his place in the house. And he gives him sandals. So that means he's going in a new direction now. The places where he walked before matter no longer because now he is covered with on his feet with the sandals from the father again all of these things came from where inside the house so that means they smelled like the father so again the father is covering his son who is in guilt and shame and regret and he's covering him with the robe he's covering him with, with the ring reminding him of his place and he's giving him shoes saying where you walk before does not matter i'm sending you in a new direction now and that's what God wants us to do. That's why we come in before the Lord, we behold him, and then we go forth and bring his kingdom. Right? We have it written on the wall because it's more than just a nice saying. It's a reality of what we're called to do in this house. We're called to behold the Lord, to see how much he loves us, and then we go out and we tell other people about that. So, yeah. Now, at that point when I smelled the fragrance, it was amazing. It was so special. And immediately... The Lord reminded me of a verse in 1 John. So I want everybody to turn there. 1 John chapter 1.
verse 9. All right. So before we read that, I want to just highlight something from the story. Now, the son asked the father for his inheritance. And he, did he fight him? Did he argue with him? No. He gave him the ability to make a choice. And because God loves us, the Bible says God is love. Love by its very nature requires a choice to be made. If I, God forbid, ran up to somebody and said, love me or else, right? And I put a gun to their head and said, love me or else. No matter what I did, what they did for me, what they said to me, it would never be genuine because it was forced. And the Lord knows that being love. He is love. And so he gives us a choice. He gave the son a choice. You can have your inheritance. You can have your life. You have the ability to make choices. But what we're not free from is that our choices sometimes get us in trouble. He was at a certain point, one point he was living large, living large and doing his thing. But then famine hit the land. He ran out of money. He was homeless. He was hungry. And he was alone. And sometimes, that's for my life, that's what happens when we try to run our own lives. And we say, I know what I want to do, God. And we go to run ahead of what God wants us to do. We, we do our own thing. I'm really good at getting myself in trouble. But God is really good at restoring us. And so we're going to look at this verse in 1 John. And the reason the Lord brought me to this is because the way the son responded. He said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. He recognized his sin. Now, sin is very simply missing the mark of what God intended for us. Because God knows what we're supposed to do. He's God. He knows better than we do. And he, when he says don't do certain things, it's because it's for our benefit. Like any good father, he warns his children that don't do this because there are going to be consequences. And the son was hungry. He was homeless. And he was all alone. But he knew the character of his father. He knew the character of his father. That's why he decided to go back to his father. And we're, the beautiful thing is the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, it says that if we confess our sins, if we tell God what we've done wrong, we admit it. And we tell him, like, I blew it and I know it and this is wrong. It says that he is faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse us. The cleansing part is, for me, the most beautiful part. Because if we were just forgiven, I would always remember the thing I did. And every time I looked at my father, I'd be reminded of how wrong I was. But he doesn't just forgive us and throw it away. He cleanses us. So remember, he swallowed up the smell of the pig pen in a moment with the robe. So check this out. Today, God wants us to talk to him. And Courtney said it. She said, we don't have to go to a priest. We don't have to go to a certain man. We can go right before our father. And we can confess what we've done. And the, the Bible says that we are immediately forgiven and cleansed. But doesn't always feel like that. Can you guys relate? Everybody doesn't always feel like that. It feels the opposite because we understand the reality of what we did. But today we're going to see the reality of what Christ has done. And it's going to help us see why we can truly be forgiven and cleansed of all unrighteousness. That means that if we're cleansed from all unrighteousness, we're righteous. That means we can stand before him. And it's beautiful. But it wasn't until the son realized that his appetites were unclean that he turned and go back to the father. He realized that he wanted to eat the pig slop. He realized it. And he said, you know what? 
the bread in my father's house for the servants is better than this stuff. And so we have to come to that place where we realize the things we've been running to is as good as pig slop. It doesn't really satisfy. It doesn't really feed our needs because guess what, guys? We're not pigs. We're not meant to eat the pig slop. We're children of the most high God in Christ. Okay. And the reason the son can go back was because he knew the character of his father. And so, again, everything God does is with intention, is with purpose. And the first thing the father goes and gets him is a robe. Now, everybody, if you can go to, like I said, we're going to be jumping around a little bit, but it's okay. If we go to Isaiah chapter 61. Verse 10. I love the sound of pages rustling. These people brought their Bibles. It's good. And so it speaks about, in this verse, God clothing us with the clothing of salvation and giving us a robe of righteousness. So it's a, it's a picture of being clothed with something outside of yourself. Because we know that the Old Testament points to who? Jesus. So what we see in the Old Testament, we know, points to Jesus. See, Jesus wants to cover us with himself because he is our robe of righteousness. And guess what, guys? Christ smells like the Father because everything Jesus did pointed us to the Father. He told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Christ smells exactly like the Father. So when we're clothed in Christ, who do we smell like? Our Father. Right. But, again, it doesn't always feel like that. And what we're going to do now, which I love, we're going to take truth, and we're going to use truth to destroy lies. Because how many know that the Word of God is truth? And that the Word of God is a sword. Right? We've been given the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the Word of God has the ability to cut. Cut deep for what reason? For the purpose of healing. And so we're going to look at what the word says. Because remember, when we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us and cleanse us. But how can he cleanse us? It's not enough to just say, okay, I forgive you. But how is it that we're cleansed? We're going to see how. And if we go to Hebrews, this is the other side of the Bible. Nine, uh, chapter 9. Two verses, verse 13 and 14. And the beautiful thing is, if you don't know where that is, God in his infinite wisdom put a table of contents in the beginning of the Bible to help us find it because he knows we need to get in every book. I've been there before. So Hebrews 9, verses 13 and 14. So this is, this is what I want us to remember when we go before the Lord to worship whether we're in the prayer room, whether we're in our prayer closet, whether we're in church. And we begin to be reminded of all the things we've done wrong. And all the things that we, all the times we blew it, all the times we've argued with someone and said something we shouldn't, all the things we did in secret that nobody knows about, we know about, God knows about. 
And here's what we do with it, though. We confess it to the Lord, and he's faithful to forgive us and cleanse us. But I'm going to show you how he's able to do that with this verse in Hebrews. Because it's going to give us a weapon. It's going to give us the ability to stand on the truth when the lies come against us that we're unworthy. Because God doesn't want us to feel like that. He paid such a high price for us to be able to be before him. We sang it in the beginning. I don't know if they knew, but we sang it first. You made a way for me to enter into the holy place. How did he do that? We're going to see. Uh, so Hebrews 9, starting at verse 13. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's body from ceremonial impurity. Just oh, Now, so in the Old Testament, they did sacrifices. And the sacrifices provided a cleansing, but for a moment. Because you'd leave the temple and you'd, so someone said, somebody run over your, your foot with a cart and you say something you shouldn't say. Oh, I've got to go back in now. Get cleaned. And he, here's the thing. It's what it says in verse 14. Now, with that in mind, if, that, if the old way of doing things could keep them clean for but a moment, just think how much more, though, the blood of Christ will purify our consciences. Consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. So let's pause there for a second. The Lord, by his blood, can cleanse us. Because the blood of Jesus is perfect. It is holy. It is matchless. It is priceless. It is perfect. And his blood is what cleanses us. His blood is what washes us clean and gives us access into the holy place. It's not my blood. It's not the pastor's blood. It's not even teaching by itself. It's the blood of Jesus. And when we understand that, we can enter in. We can be free to confess. We can be free to tell the Lord what we did because we know it's his blood that covers us. His blood cleanses our conscience. So when we begin to be flooded with these ideas and the things that we've done wrong and the guilt and the shame and feeling like we're cut off, God, I thank you for your blood. I thank you that when I confess this sin, you not only forgive me, but you throw it into the sea of forgetfulness. I thank you that you'll never call it up again. So when I'm feeling it, I can thank him for the blood that is eternal. That blood is perfect. But notice something, though. It's very important. We don't take this lightly and just plead the blood at any moment because we can. Because it says that his blood cleanses our conscience from dead works that we might, what? Worship the true and living God. It's unto worship. He cleanses us in our minds so that we might be able to do what we were made for. Everybody do me a favor. Say this with me. Say, I, I was made to worship God. Every single person here. Whether you can sing good or not, if your heart is in the right place, I, I will swear by this. That by the time it gets to heaven, it's heavenly auto-tune. Because the Bible says in the Old Testament that when the, the hearts of the people weren't in the right place, the, the sound would come up before the Lord like a screeching of cymbals, and it was a, a bothersome noise to the Lord. So how much more, though, when our hearts in the right place, covered by the blood of Jesus, in a pure and humble place, it's got to sound beautiful. Because God hears the heart. I was thinking about this the other day. We hear the outward sound, but God hears the heart. And that's why he had to shed his blood. Because remember something. None of us can purify ourselves. None of us can do enough good things to make ourselves righteous. I don't know about you guys, but I know for sure I can't. And the word is very clear. Without the shedding of blood, 
There is no forgiveness of sins. So Jesus shed his blood so that we might, what, worship. That's what we're here to do. Okay, and it goes on to say that we might worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. What kind of sacrifice? Perfect sacrifice. That means anytime we come to him with the stuff that we did and the guilt and the shame and the dirt that's on our feet, he can clean us. But we have to tell him. We have to talk to him about it. He's a father, and he wants us to talk to him about it. The son came back to the father because he knew the heart of the father. And today, we are going to leave here knowing that our father wants to cover us, wants to clean us, and wants to set us in the way we were meant to be. Put sandals on our feet that we might walk in the way of what? Worship. And that's why God had it set up this way. Because think about it. We've been learning about our priesthood role as worshipers before the Lord, as intercessors before God for the people. And so God wants to, right now what he's doing is he's bringing us in perfect succession to deal with the things that hinder us from being able to do what we were made to do. Because he paid such a high price with his life that we might not live for ourselves but live for him who gave his life for us. And it says that we might worship the true and living God. So it's beautiful. It's on to worship. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5. Twenty-one. All right, Second Corinthians five, twenty-one. For our sake, everybody say, for our sake. For our sake. He made him to be sin, Christ. Yep, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become. The righteousness of God in Christ. See that? He made him who knew no sin to become sin. Why? That we, all of us here, every part of the body, every single part from the toe to the tip of the head to the hairs on the head, every part of the body would be able to become what? The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Notice it's not apart from Christ. It's not added on to Christ. It's in Christ. So that robe of righteousness that we receive is actually Jesus covering us with himself. Jesus covers us with himself. He's the perfect sacrifice. And again, it's not to be taken lightly. It's not to, to trample the blood of Jesus underfoot because it's unto worship. He paid such a high price that we might worship him. Isn't that amazing? I think so. But again, he doesn't force it. He gives us the ability. He paid the price. He gives us the tools, but he says it's up to you. If, you have, if, if there's something going on, talk to me about it. I'm a good father. I'm a good father who desires to cleanse you, to clean you, to cover you, that you might do what you were made for. You might put away the other things, and you might do the very thing you were made for. Every one of us here was made to worship God. So let's look at some more about how God makes that happen. Hmm. 
Now, I said it like three times already, but I'm going to say it again because it's worth repeating. Why did the son go back to the father? Who remembers? He knew the father's heart. He knew the father's heart. And I love, I love how the writer of 1 John, we're going to go back there again, please. Everybody turn to 1 John, chapter 2, puts it. First two verses, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anybody does sin, see, the key and the goal and the, the purpose of what Jesus has done for us is that we might not sin. It's the beautiful thing about it. But if we do, it says, if you do, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. What is an advocate? A lawyer, someone who fights your battle, right? Somebody who pleads your case. And we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Jesus stands in heaven, a man with holes in his hands and feet. (laughs) And what does he say? Father, remember my sacrifice. Father, remember what I've done for them. That we might be able to freely confess our sins. And as we do, he cleanses us. He forgives us, gives us clean, and then cleanses us all unrighteousness. And that's what he wants to do today. He, as a good father, desires to take us, his children, and cover us in that robe of righteousness, to cover us with that beautiful ring and those beautiful sandals to set us in a new direction as his people to worship him. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I think about worship, I think about something we did today. We sang songs. We made some noise, right? We, We used our bodies to proclaim God, how amazing he is. But do you guys know that worship is more than the songs we sing? I think we know that here. But just to, just to make sure, in case, in case somebody forgot, somebody's new, worship is more than the songs we sing. Worship is the life we lead. And so everybody say that. Say, worship is the life I lead. Now, what I'm going to do now is <laughs> I'm going to finish the verse in 1 John, and then... I'm going to show you guys something so special. It says that, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate for the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation of our sins, not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the world. He's the payment. He is the payment for our sins. Why? Because he gave himself that we might be able to freely worship, that we might be able to do what the very thing we were made for, We were all made to worship, but because of sin, we all had a problem. We couldn't really worship. We couldn't really enter in. We couldn't really make it. But because of what Jesus has done, we have access, we sang it before, to the holy place. See, it destroys condemnation. See, condemnation is the thought that I'm cut off, that I've done too much, that I just can't be forgiven, that I'm too dirty, I'm too guilty, I can't go before my father. I can't even look at him right now because I know what I did. But remember, we're going to take truth and we're going to destroy the lies. Because it's only when we look at him, it's only when we let him love us and remember his sacrifice that we can truly be forgiven and cleansed. Because 
I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we sang it, that because of him we have access to the holy place. If you look at the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 13, just listen to this for a second. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You who were once far off have been brought where? Near. Near what? Near Jesus, who's near who? The Father. We've been brought near by the blood. So when our heart condemns us, when the enemy comes up and he reminds us of all the bad things we did and how much we don't deserve it, he's right, we don't deserve it. But we've been brought near by the blood. So what I like to do when I begin to feel unworthy and ashamed, because I know I make mistakes, I'm not perfect, I sin, right? But what I do is immediately when I recognize it, I don't hold it in, because if you hold it in, just like David said, his body began to waste away before he confessed his sin before the Lord. Then he decided, I'm going to confess my sin, and immediately God forgave him, and he was able to feel joy. He said, oh, what joy, what ha happy is the man whose sins are forgiven and whose iniquity have been covered. Oh, what joy, oh, how happy is the man or woman whose sins have been forgiven and iniquity covered. How did he know that? Because he went through it. And he tried to hold it in, he tried to pretend like he was perfect, and he had all these secrets inside. But then he said, I decided to confess to the Lord. And when he did, he didn't realize it, but he was experiencing New Testament reality because God forgave him and cleansed him because of what Christ has done. And so this is really important because you've been brought near. So when the enemy lies to you and says, God's far away, God is not seeing you anymore, you're in the dark now, that's a lie. The word of God says, because of Jesus, if you're in Christ, if you're not in Christ, you are far off. But if you do want to come in, the Father wants to wrap you in his robe. He wants to clothe you and cover you. And he says, you've been brought near. So it's a simple turning of the heart. So what I do, like I said, when I begin to get overwhelmed with condemnation and the thoughts that come up, especially during times of worship, the enemy loves to remind us of the things we did. Father, I thank you for the blood. I thank you for the blood of your son that covers me, that cleanses me, and that gives me access that I can even stand here and talk to you. And, I'm, and here's the beautiful thing. You know, the most anointed thing we can say sometimes is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not a bad thing. It's anointed. Because it's at that moment we recognize, like the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. It was at that moment when his heart was broken and honest, the father can then take that and wrap him in his robe of righteousness and clean him because he paid for that sin. But because God doesn't force us, he delights in partnership, he says, I'm here. I'm right here, and I'm just waiting for you to tell me. Not that I don't know. Of course I know. Adam, where are you? He knew where Adam was, but he wanted to show that he desired to restore that relationship. He desired to cover them, and the same thing he desires to do for us today. He wants to cover us. He wants to clean us. He wants to purify us that we might, what? Worship. It's all on to worship, and that's why God has us doing all this stuff. You think he just, he just, Pastor Andrew just goes on YouTube and gets all these sermons? No. He hears from heaven. And God is strategically putting us into place. And he showed me specifically how you've been leading us in the priesthood and about our role as worshipers and as kings and as sons and daughters. And all I'm doing today is my part in encouraging the people to let God cover you, cleanse you, and put new shoes on your feet. So, yeah. So, I want you, and again, what I like to do is I like to make sure that what I'm saying is backed up by the word. Because if it's not, it just sounds good. 
make you feel good for a moment, but then you'll leave here and you'll be just as stuck as before I even talk. So I want to show you guys something in the Word. Go to the book of Romans, please. Verses 1 and 2. And you guys are getting an exercise in the sword drills today. <laughs> Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. See, it doesn't just say, let your songs be holy to the Lord. Yes, that's beautiful. But a song needs to be birthed out of a life lived. Because when it is... So much life all over. And we know that's true if we've been in the prayer room and there's certain songs that come out. It's all right. There's certain songs that come out. He's drawing us deeper into himself. And part of that deeper, part of that deeper surrender is choosing not our will, but his will over ours. It's to lay down our lives, as Pastor Crystal put it so nicely in the beginning. It is to die for the Lord, and not in a physical sense only, but every single day we make decisions to say, not what I want, Lord, but what you want in my life. Because what God wants in our lives is so much better than what we could ever want. And the Lord's been bringing me through something specifically in my own life, and he showed me the reason I was feeling sad about laying this thing down. He says, it's because you don't believe I have something better for you. Because if you did, you wouldn't be sad. You'd be grateful to lay this thing down because you know that what's on the other side of it is better. And so I want to encourage you that if God's calling you to lay something down, if he's calling you deeper, which he's calling all of us as the body deeper, it's because he has something better for us on the other side. It's himself. But there's a way, if we look at verse 2 in Romans 12, there's a way in which we can be transformed into that living sacrifice. It starts with, do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, what is good and pleasing and perfect. We can know what God's will is. Do you guys know that? There's people all the time, can I know God's will? Can I know God's will? Yes, you can. But you have to get out of the way first. The reason I don't know what God wants me to do sometimes is because I'm so consumed with what I want, I've already stamped his approval on it and I'm running towards it. But the Bible says if I lay down my life, then and only then will I be able to know what is the good and the pleasing and the perfect will of God. So we need to lay down our lives, which is a beautiful thing because, remember, on the other side of it is something better, himself. It's him. He is the prize. He is the prize. But we don't realize that because we have our eyes fixed on so many different things, and I'm guilty of that. But I'm thankful for his blood, which draws me near, which allows me to be forgiven and cleansed. And it's the same thing that he wants to do for everybody here. It says that change the way you think, and then you become a new person. Andrew shared about it in the past, but in the Greek, the word for repentance means a change of mind, which then in turn leads to a change of action. But first, we must change how we see it, because if we change how we see it, then we can walk in a different direction. And that's what God wants us to do today, to change the way we see the Father. He's not up there being angry. He's not up there being mad, but at the same time, he doesn't play with sin. Because why? We were made to worship. We were made to worship him. And when we choose sin, we're worshiping something else. 
But when we choose to say no to sin, and when we mess up, we confess, and he forgives us, draws us near, and reminds us what the very thing we were made for, which is the beauty of the gospel. We were made to worship him. So the lesser things of this life, when we see him rightly, it's more than a song. When we look full into his wonderful face, the things of the earth will grow strangely dim. Why? Because of his glory and grace, right? It's more than a song, it's a reality. So this is really, really, really important. Because the Lord showed me two things. Today, the word was going to be a, an encouragement. And it was going to be a charge. It was going to be an encouragement as we were going to be equipped about how to lay down our sin, how to lay down our junk, that we might be able to come before him unashamed, might be able to do our part as priests before him. And a charge. Because how many of you guys know that there's a world out there who does not know Jesus yet? Right? There's a whole lot of people out there that does not know Jesus yet. But we know, because we see in the story, his heart is for the sinners, the people that are drunk, the people that are stuck on everything else. His heart's to redeem them, to clothe them. That's what he told the story about. They, they were yelling at him for talking to the people that nobody else wanted to talk to, the dirty sinners, like all of us in here. Right? But it says that he told the story to illustrate the point further, that the father wanted to clothe them, cover them, heal them, set them free. And that's what we see. So there's a world out there that needs to know that the God we serve loves them and actually did something that they can change. They can actually be different. And so, again, I don't want you to just take my word for it. God is so amazing. Go to 2 Corinthians, please. Chapter 2. Starting at verse 14. And before we go there, I want to just point out how God is perfect, because he is, in case you guys didn't know. He um, had us sing about his victory being what we're led into. We sang that, about being led in victory. And that's what we're about to read. <laughs> did they know? No, they did not. But God did. It says, but thanks be to God. Who in Christ always, everybody say always, 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 always. leads us in triumphal procession. That means he leads us in victory. But it's victory behind him. So, and why though, why? And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God. Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance of death to death and to the other a fragrance of life. Who is sufficient for these things? You know who is? Those that are covered in the blood. Those that know who they are in Christ. Because we are to take that fragrance that we encounter in the Lord, in his prayer, in the prayer room, in our prayer closets. We're to take that and let him release that into the world everywhere we go. We're to behold him and bring his kingdom. It's, it's so true. So it says it right there. That he would diffuse the fragrance of Christ everywhere. And who does Christ smell like? The Father. So it started with the fragrance of the Father. And it's ending with the fragrance of the Father. We're to be dripping with the oil of his presence. We're to be covered in that fragrance. And how does that happen? It's just get in before him. 
and letting him do what he does and thanking him for his blood, thanking him for his sacrifice, thanking him for the access we have into his presence. And when we do that, he begins to speak over us. Because like Don always says, you can't outgive God. We give God everything we have. And he's like, now watch this. Boop. And he pours out so much stuff on us, so much truth that we can live differently. He leads us in a triumphal procession, victory. Now, how is it that we can actually do this? It says that he leads us. So in order to be led, we must do what? Surrender and follow him, right? And again, is any of us going to be perfect? No, but when we mess up, we remember. Thank you for the blood. Thank you that I have new sandals on, that I can walk in this new direction. And here's the thing. It's very, very, very important that we remember that Christ, Andrew says it all the time, is our example. Not just in, he didn't just come, die on the cross, and then go to heaven. Right, rise again, go to heaven. It says that he lived a life from birth all the way up, that he would be tempted in every way, yet not sin, that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and receive the grace that we need in times of trouble when we need him most. Guess what, guys? We need him every moment of every day. Whether we think we do or we don't, we need him. But because he was tempted in every way and you did not sin, we can come before him. And he knows the exact remedy. He's like, oh, you're feeling ashamed? I have something for that. Here, apply my blood. Oh, you're feeling not worthy? Guess what? The wor your worth is not dependent upon what you've done, but upon my blood. Because here's the beautiful thing. What somebody's willing to pay for something is what it's worth. The beauty of the American economy is if I want to charge a million dollars for something, if somebody will pay me two million, it's actually worth two million. And guess what? Jesus paid for us with his life. And the Bible says in 1 Peter that his blood is priceless. So if you were paid with a priceless price, what does that make you in him? Priceless. But again, it's not to be taken lightly and say, oh, I'm priceless. I can do whatever I want. No, it's because you were bought that you might worship him. It's that I was bought that I might worship him in the way I live. So again, just to bring it full circle, Christ is our example. In everything we do, we remember that he loved us, that he died for us, and that the price he paid was enough for us, right? And in the same way he loved us and died for us, we are to love God and lay down our life and die for God. And if we, just last verse, and then we're going to sum it up. But Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. And this is a beautiful picture of what I just told you. Because I remember, I don't want anything I say to be, oh, that sounds good. I want you to know it's in the Word. Because if it's in the Word, you can stand on it forever. Even when, it was, when I'm dead and gone, you can stand on this. So Ephesians 5, verse 1. Because remember, not only do we get a ring, we're not only sons, we're not only daughters, we're not only priests and kings. We got sandals that we might walk in a new direction, covered by Jesus. So this is what it says. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, identity, and walk in love. What does that look like? As Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. See, not only are we a fragrant aroma to the world, we, by our lives, are a fragrant sacrifice 
to the Lord. To the Lord. Whether the world recognizes it or not, whether to somewhere fragrance of death to death and life to life, but before the Lord, we're precious. We're a fragrance that delights his heart. So every time you come into the prayer room, whether you're praying, whether you're worshiping, whether you're sitting there, just being there with him. If your heart's in the right place, and he knows it, he receives it unto himself as a fragrant offering before him. So everyone here is made to worship. Everyone here is made to be covered and cleaned. But we have to make a choice. Are we going to bring God our mess? Are we going to let him deal with it? In, in the book of Isaiah, it says, come, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. So the, the Father is inviting us to come before him in our mess and confess it, talk to him. And as we do that, he's faithful to what? Forgive us and cleanse us of how much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. So that means that any, anything we have inside of us that say, oh, I can't stand before God, in ourselves we can't. But because of his blood, we've been brought near, that we can go before him and be washed clean, be covered, and do the very thing we were made for, to worship him. So it's my encouragement for everybody here that you were made to worship God, to love him with everything you have. And guess what? His blood made it possible to actually do it. Because he didn't just die. He didn't just resurrect, which he, I'm glad he did that. But he lived a full life. So he knows every single area in which you might struggle, and yet he did not sin. That means that he has the cure. He has the answer for everything we're struggling with. It's found in Jesus. And he says, if you'll come to me today, I will clean you. I will wash you. I will clothe you. And I will set you on this journey. And again, I know a lot of us are in the body, but here's the beautiful thing. I mean, I met you guys, but at least me, I'm not perfect. So in the body, I've made mistakes. In the body, I've, made, I've sinned, right? But the Lord's call is still to come. Come, confess, talk to me. Let me clean you. Let me help you. Let me change you by changing the way you think, the way you see it. And then... When we realize the very thing we were made for, every other thing begins to fall away. Because the Lord gave me this example, and this is how I'm going to close out, and we'll bring the prayer team up, and we're just going to go for it. But when somebody goes to the Olympics, and they want to actually do something in the Olympics, there's many times in their life where they don't eat fast food, where they, don't, uh, where they stay up late, where they train hard, where they make these choices that are intentional. Why? Because they know the prize it's worth the process. It's worth the struggle. It's worth the pain. And in the same way, in this life, there's things we're going to say no to, but it's because we understand that the prize is worth the process. It's worth the struggle. It's worth the pain. Because what's the prize, guys? Him. He is the prize. He is the prize. And the one who is the prize calls you to come. 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 Confess your sin. Why? That I might cleanse you. Not that I would shame you. That there would have, there'd be no reason for there to be any distance between us, even in our mess. Because so often, again, I, I can speak for myself because I know me, I live with me. When I make a mistake and when I sin, then when I go to worship, immediately, the first thing I remember is all the things I've done wrong. And I begin to be condemned. And I'm like, oh, wait, i, I got to read my Bible first before I can worship. And it's like, no, I can thank you, God, for the blood. 
and then the blood washes me, and then I'm, I'm already in his presence, and then when I'm in his presence, I see him rightly, and when I see him rightly, the only thing I could do is worship. And that's what you guys want to do. That's what everybody, that's what God wants us to do. That's the word for today. Come and confess that the Lord might clean you, cleanse you, clothe you, and then set you on your right path to worship him. That there be nothing, nothing in all creation that would separate you from this love that he has for you. Because he, he wants it. He paid for it. How do we know? See, a lot of times from my life, I used to think, oh, I'm worthless. Oh, I don't have purpose. Oh, I was a mistake. Oh, you know what? None of that was true. No matter how long I thought about it. Or how many years I wasted thinking about it, never made it true one second. Because my value, your value, doesn't come in what you can do or what you can't do. It comes from what he has done for you. And when you understand that reality, we understand that we were cleansed in our conscience, in our minds. Why? That we might worship him. It's because he wanted us clean. Because he wanted us to worship. Because he made us for it. So just know that like when, when we come forward today, if you have something on your heart that you want to confess, something you've been struggling with, something you know he's been putting his finger on, don't hide it no more. Because you don't have to. He's a father who loves you and wants you to worship him. And paid such a high price to prove it. Paid such a high price to prove it. And I really believe today the Lord is going to swallow up the smell of the pig pen in some of our lives. And... He's going to charge his people to release the fragrance of Christ everywhere we go. Whether we're in the store, whether we're at school, whether we're at work, wherever we might find ourselves, we release the fragrance of Christ because we've been with him. The disciples, the, the, the Pharisees recognized they were unschooled, ordinary men, but they had been with Jesus. And because they had been with Jesus, they were recognized. So the Father wants to clean you today. He wants to cover you today. He wants to put new sandals on your feet that you might live in the very thing you were made for. So we're going to call the prayer team up. And if anybody has anything they want to confess to the Lord, go for it. And we got this freedom barrel here to dump some junk in because God has something better for us. He's so much better that we might worship him. Yeah. I told you he's a gift. <laughs> Fired up. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to ask Willie to pray for us as a body, and then uh, we're going to make room for the prayer team to come up. And for those of you who'd like to respond, wherever you find yourself, as Willie said, on that spectrum, if you don't know the Lord or been walking with him for 50 years and just feel like God's just saying, This right here, I want this, I want to call you deeper. We're going to give room for you to respond, and we'll have people to pray and, and lay hands on you. So, yeah, Willie, why don't you lead us in prayer, and we'll open that up. Father, I thank you for the blood. I thank you for the blood that was shed for every single person here. And that the blood, though it cries out for mercy, requires a response. So, God, I thank you that it's by your blood we can stand before you, and I pray that not a single person would leave here shackled and ashamed and guilty because you paid the price to cover them, to cleanse them, to change them from these cycles that just keep continuing over and over because you want to change the way they see it. You want to change the way they think, that they might live differently. They might become the new person they were always made to be. So, Father, I pray by your blood 
that not a single person would leave this place guilty, ashamed, or condemned. That we would come and we would openly confess our sins to you and even to each other because the word says that if we confess our sins to each other, we would be healed. So God, I thank you that there's a beauty in both. That I thank you, God, that as we confess our sins to you, though, you are faithful to cleanse us and forgive us. And you not only cleanse us of just what we did wrong, but you cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So we have full access into your presence. So God, I just pray that this would be a tool that we would take with us in the rest of our walk with you into eternity. That we would be able to, when wrong, quickly admit it, agree with you quickly, and let you wash us, let you clean us, let you teach us that we might be changed forever, God. Because you're calling us deeper, and I feel it. I thank you for it. Because I don't want to live on the shallow end of life anymore. I was made, we were made to live in the deep end with you. So, God, I pray that that mindset would give people the courage to come forward, God, and to be set free. Because you paid such a high price for them. Not to live for themselves, but to live for you. And not only live for you, God, but live with you. Because you live inside of us. Thank you, God. We don't have to strive to enter into your presence. We're in it now. We just have to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Don, you can come up as well. Melanie, if you wouldn't mind coming up as well. I never wear sandals, but I was running late and I put sandals on. And Willie kept mentioning sandals today, so I feel good. <laughs> I'm ready for new direction. But, um, no, honestly, the, what the Lord's been putting on, on my heart and Pastor Crystal come up next few weeks is... I feel one of the things the Lord wants to do is really, really get us locked into the, the joy and the freedom of what happens when we live a lifestyle of repentance before the Lord. I feel like that's a dirty word in the church and it's gotten really muddy, but it's, it's so beautiful because we can come to a father with, who's had open arms. And I feel Willie has really been a, like taking a first step in where we're about to go. And there's something beautiful that's going to come out on the other side of this. So, yeah, if the Lord's been just tugging on your heart here, come on up. We're going to let the... the worship play for a little bit, the music, and for those of you um, who don't feel led, that's totally fine. We just ask, again, we have the, the meeting right after this for Love Day, if you could hang around, even outside the tent. We'll call everyone in in a few minutes, but I just want to give space for people to respond right now, all right? So we love you guys.